0: Hi, I'm Dan Boyd.
1: I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for Him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools.
0: We're seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools for for Christ.
1: Christ. Hello, welcome back.
0: Hello, everybody. We have a secret that we want to share with you.
1: We're going to talk about the antidote to apathy.
0: Yeah. Antidote is such a fun word. Like, if you're not excited when you say antidote,
1: Wait, like, does it have like a certain etym- etymological? Is that how you say that word? It's even? got.
0: It's got to. Yeah. So like the word anti meaning against. So dote. There's got to be something in there that's like a negative thing, a bad thing, poison. But like, like life needs more antidotes. Like if you had, like, what if you had a whole shelf full of antidotes? Or like, I feel like on Batman's belt, there's a special section just for antidotes. <laughs> and then, like, these are the, this is kind of fitting, but, like, antidotes are the things that children make believe with. And the things that adults hope they never encounter. Like, for us, an antidote means something bad just happened. Like, you get bit yeah. by a snake. I guess yeah, it'd be yeah, anti, yeah. anti-venom. But, um, if we want to be nerds. But, <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the etymology I just looked it up. It means so anti against and don't give.
0: Oh, probably like a dose, like a dose like against what you've given. Yeah, okay, gotcha. I can see that. Um, so anyway, the antidote to apathy. So Yay. apathy is the if you. So we are. We're basing this on a September. 27th, 2017 general audience by the Holy Father, Pope Francis.
1: Yes. And he'd been talking about hope for a while, and he continued talking about it after this. But this particular audience caught my attention because he referenced a French poet, Charles Peguy, who um, I really appreciate his work called um, The Gateway of the Mystery of the Second Virtue. It's this long poem about the virtue hope. And so Pope Francis was talking about hope um, for several weeks and and he referenced him and I got super excited that I knew someone that the Pope referenced, like how fun is that? Um, And so we just wanted to talk about this. We found the audience to be quite enlightening and uh, we wanted to share what um what the pope said
0: yeah and I, hope is um the pope says this but I, i've kind of felt this for myself hope's like the forgotten overlooked virtue and that like everybody like faith is easy to talk about because it's it's we all have an idea of what faith is mm-hmm. um and love is really easy to talk about that's i mean like it's easy to point to an example of love mm-hmm. but hope is really hard to pin down i mean it's like maria <laughs> like
1: How do you solve a problem like Maria? Um,
0: (laughs) So so I, uh, he put my feet on the on the chair underneath me and squeaking. If you're hearing squeaking, I apologize. Um, I fidget in my seat like a little kid. But um, I would say hope is also hope's the forgotten virtue in our world because we are um, there's no need to hope, especially in a first world nation. Hmm. We don't need anything, or it seems like we don't need anything. Like I never have to hope that my food is going to be there at home. Yeah. I never have to hope that, that we're very rarely. So we've kind of, we've insulated ourselves against a theological virtue. Like one of the things that we're supposed to have to be like God, we are insulated against in our society, mm. which I don't know. Maybe that makes us, that's, that's an area where we could be far more Christian. Yeah. Um, so let's define hope.
1: Yes. So the way that, Pope Francis kind of defined it in this particular audience. No, again, this is after several audiences of explaining it, but he used the poem by Charles Pigui, um, which he, the way he describes hope is um, basically he talks about the three theological virtues faith, hope, and love. And he says that faith is a loyal wife, charity is a mother. And hope is the little girl in between the two. Um, so if you're like just envisioning this loyal, these two older women, this loyal wife, um, this loving mother, and then this little girl hope. And so he talks about on <laughs> how children move and walk when they're on a path somewhere and how they, they run up ahead and they run back and they'll make the trip 20 times Yeah. just from running up ahead to see what's ahead and coming back. And, and he says, the, the child, he makes the trip 20 times, covers 20 times the, dis- the distance. It's because as a matter of fact, he's not going somewhere. His masters are the ones the the two women are the ones who are going somewhere. He's not going anywhere at all, What he's interested in is precisely making the trip. Nothing to do with, the destination and just actually focusing on making the trip and going back and forth and continuing to go.
0: It's almost like there's a a mindlessness in in a good way of hope of not being over-concerned with why am I doing this, but just simply like, I am going, I'm going to hope, I'm going to hope that, that God will provide. I'm going to hope that I become this holy. I'm going to hope that this good thing happens. Why? I don't care. I'm just doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he continues to say that hope doesn't count Uh, hope doesn't like count the cost doesn't calculate um well if hope does calculate it's just for the fun of it it's (laughs) it's not because the calculation means anything yeah you know um and then he ties that pathway that journey into the great procession towards salvation so the day's pass in pr- procession and we pass in procession through the days what's important is going to keep going that's what matters and how you go it's the road you travel it's the traveling itself
0: so he was he was like one of the first people to say it's not about the destination it's about the journey and i, I mean obviously <laughs> like the destination of heaven is our, like that's the reason we move forward but it's, it's it sounds like hope is what helps us delight in where we are like it helps us delight in the lot god has given us and perhaps not be not be depressed and think like okay i am in, you know I'm, I'm middle-aged i'm not gonna go to heaven for 40 years i'm just gonna like slog it out yeah and that's the, that's not the mentality of a child like mm-hmm. if a child's on a walk they might they might get tired and be like where are we going home but if they're still having fun <laughs>
1: yeah
0: then they they kind of zip all over the place, like, hey, look at this flower, hey, look what I found, and they, they almost yeah. drag their parents, and that's like, stay in one spot, like, I'm
1: <laughs> you're exhausting
0: me to, to run after you all the time, uh, but the child doesn't, like, they don't get tired because they're, yeah. not, they're not thinking about their energy.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and so the word he describes to this is um, the word indefatigable, which is such a great word
0: yeah, another fun word. This is an episode of fun words. <laughs>
1: um, so he says, the secret to being indefatigable. Um, it, and is this hope to be hopeful. And how amazing is that? How beautiful is that that imagery of these three virtues and the importance of hope um, in the midst of these two great pillars. And strength and wisdom of faith and love, uh, it doesn't diminish the beauty of those two other virtues by any means. No, but it sheds light on this third virtue.
0: When we were talking about it before we started recording, I loved the image you used. Of this. So this, like, this child just running back and forth between the two women, um, almost like communicating in a sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the the intention of pagui but this is what I got. And then, like, running a, running ahead. To the destination, and running back, and, and running <laughs> behind, and um, I mean, it's just constant, never like in, in into fatigable um, force of like I'm going to give you reason to keep going on, and I'm gonna like I'm gonna look ahead yeah. and remind you, hey, there's something good, and I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna remind you, like, hey, here, we're like we are right here, and we're thinking about something, and that almost makes it present, and that's what makes us happy now, mm-hmm. um, and the. This definitely, I think I know why Pope Francis is is like coming to this because one of his favorite I mean his rally cry almost is Christians should not be gloomy and,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: depressed looking. Yeah. Yeah. And hope is the virtue that rips us almost like yanks us back from the future into the present moment and says, Yes, we are going to heaven. Yes, like the we are we are destined for eternity with God but we live that reality a little bit right now and we cannot deny we can't forget that salvation is about the future but it's also about right now mm-hmm. and that we like we have been redeemed and we are being redeemed and we enjoy the goodness of God right now and hope is i mean this is like all the way back to St Thomas Aquinas and probably before hope is what makes the joy of salvation present right now mm-hmm. like we by hoping for the, that thing we get the thing we expect..
1: Hmm.
0: And so Pope Francis is giving people the antidote for apathy, the tool to like to be happy right now and to be witnesses of hope yeah. and of joy to the world.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: So this, this general audience is full of great quotes. Some of the, yes. I would say his, like, I don't know who translated this, but he deserves a high five and a cappuccino in Italy, wherever he is. Um,
1: because they're delicious there. Yeah.
0: But he, so, I mean, Pope Francis, this really me just how much of a wordsmith he is. Um, we've had, I mean, some popes with really, really great linguistic abilities, but he's really shining here. Um, so we just kind of took a selection of what we thought were the best quotes Um because they illumine the uh, they illumine the mystery of what Pope Francis is talking about,
1: mm-hmm. and so he talks about <laughs> this line is so great. He says, "Hope is not a virtue for people with a full stomach,"
0: and that is why <laughs> that is why the poor have always been the first bearers of hope. And I, um, I, I get this mm-hmm. like I know like this is to me this is one of the reasons I fast in life and one of the reasons the church asks us to fast and I'm grateful because when I've eaten all of the chocolate chip cookies and I've uh, you know I've gone to the to the pantry as many times as I want and I've I've spent a lot of money at the grocery store I'm just kind of like eh all right I've had it all now what and there's by s- constantly satisfying my senses it's almost like I, I kind of numb myself. Like I, I get I get bored mm-hmm. with life. Yeah. Because um, I forget that there's need for more. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, like, this is why I would say we insulate ourselves in this country. Because it's so easy to, even if we don't get everything we want or need, we can, we can satisfy so many of our senses. Mm-hmm. So we can buy fairly inexpensive food to make us feel full. Um, and to satisfy those sweet and salty cravings, and we've got our phones with us all the time, so we never have to be bored.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: well, and yes, and you're you're taking a very a more literal approach
0: to this. Yeah, I am. Yeah.
1: When you look at it from even a general perspective, I just see it as like that. I mean, I just I saw the Greatest Showman. Uh, recently it just came out on DVD and there's this beautiful scene at the beginning where he's like talking about all the dreams he has of wanting more of you know he's explaining to his future wife it's like their little love song at the beginning all the things that he wants all the dreams he has um, for their future and that desire for wanting more out of life that's what hope is and being in touch with that wanting more is central to our faith because we're always wanting the more that is God.
0: Yeah. And there, so when you're, I think when you're satisfied by the things of the world, you forget that's what we're made for. And that's what really gives us happiness, but it can be the things of this world can be just enough to (laughs) to kind of make us content enough to not do anything.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I hear that. Oh, and then here you liked this line.
0: So on the night of the first Christmas, the world was asleep, laying upon a bed of acquired certainties. Like <laughs> I, that was, I think that was what made me, like just that line, uh, laying upon a bed of acquired certainties. Like oh. I, was, I was, really like he says it with a sense of disdain. Yes,
1: um, like in I almost mean, like a slightly humorous
0: way. Um, but that's, um, I was, that's the anti hope message of the world we live in. Um, and that we are, we love our calculations. So going back to like, hope it doesn't calculate. Yeah, we yeah. love acquiring certainty that um, we will not have to face certain hardships. Mm-hmm. And we, almost, we make that our goal so that um, this, I hope I don't sound un-American. In fact, if, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm begging and pleading, like, let's make America more virtuous, like let's let's be inspired by the theological virtues and not by um, the desire for acquired certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, because from the almost from the moment we start educating children, we educate them to to acquire certainty, the certainty of of income, the certainty of retirement, the certainty of health, and um, those are there can be hiccups in life that mm-hmm. do not derail us from our true true calling who we are called to be Mm -hmm. Um, and that I think we confuse people from a very young age and we confuse ourselves by acting as if those acquired certainties are are, our reason for being
1: and yeah and the end of themselves yeah in and of themselves.
0: yeah and so I I don't want to say you know nobody nobody planned for retirement Um, (laughs) I I have friends who make a living doing that for people Um, but I mean Jesus does say and I think we have to take him at his word even though it's challenging Um, to the man who said to himself, I have plenty stored up in my barns. Mm -hmm. I will sit back and relax. He says, you fool. Do you not know that this very, your life will be demanded of you. Um, So that's um, it. That line laying upon a bed of acquired certainties that convicts me. Cause I, I feel like I'm laying upon a bed of acquired certainties when Jesus was born into the world. Like how often do I, on on Christmas uh, during the season of Advent, go to sleep resting in the safety of my own work Mm -hmm. rather than trusting in the Savior of the world.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: In the season of hope.
1: Yeah. Yep, I think that was just like a mic drop moment. I don't know how to follow that up. Uh, Let's just go (laughs) to the next quote. Well, okay, so the next thing that is sticking out to me right now is uh, he calls the wealth of the most valuable asset that exists in the whole world he calls it the desire for change. And so that's almost another definition of hope.
0: Yeah. The, like the person who hopes is the one who's hoping for a better life. So that like some kind of change. Mm-hmm. So a spiritual change, physical change, emotional change.
1: And that sounds very American though.
0: It does. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, like that, it's a... That to me, that's a beatitude. Blessed is is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, Mm -hmm. Um, which you could almost dub, like just the way the country speaks now, uh, like to desire change, to work for change, is almost equivalent to saying to work for justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what people mean by that.
1: Yes. Yeah. So um, (laughs) he goes on to say at times, having had everything life offers is a misfortune.
0: Which is counterintuitive. Kind of Ouch. Ouch! Yeah. So that means we are better off to have not have had everything life offers. I know exactly what he means. though. so this is like this is C.S. Lewis. I, I, I'm going to try to set the record for most references to C.S. Lewis in a podcast, and then explain <laughs> that to you. But um, the like that desire for something that nothing in this world can satisfy mm-hmm. is evidence for the existence of God, and the one who who perhaps has not arrived at that conclusion if they've had everything and found no satisfaction will become dismayed. Mm. So if you don't, if you don't have the gift of faith or that revelation that, Oh my goodness, because I'm still hungry, Mm -hmm. even though I've had everything there is, there must be something out there. That's not of this world. Mm. Then you are going, you you could just despair. Yeah. And I mean, eat, drink and be married for tomorrow we die. You know, there's only, only so much satisfaction. Um, that's a song that many people have sung.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: Um, I mean, this is that's the rich young man. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he's got it all, and he—it's uh, almost like he can't imagine a, a life without those things. He goes away sad because he doesn't—he doesn't know what it is to want more. I guess.
1: Well, and then well, Pope Francis even gives like a new parable. Of the rich young man. He goes on, he says, Think about a young man who was never taught the virtues of expectation and patience, who did not have to sweat over everything, who had burned his bridges at 20, already knows, oh, and already knows how the world turns. He is destined to receive the worst punishment, that of not wanting anything anymore.
0: I think he just described a generation. <laughs> and I really think this. Um, we've touched on this topic before. Like, how do we, how do we see like what's behind the curtain of the world? Like, is it, does it have meaning? And is there, is there more in life than, um, than just the stuff we see? Like, is it, Mm -hmm. uh, is God just asking us like, okay, you know, sit through, sit through the waiting room of life for 80 years and then you get to the fun stuff. Um, or is there meaning in what we're going, what we're experiencing here? Um, and I think the what we're asked to do is hope and believe that what we experience here does have meaning and does have purpose, um, and that it's not a waste of time, um, and that we should want more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that wanting, that act of wanting more, is actually tied into this virtue.
0: Yeah, to hope is to want the the promises of God. And to believe that you can get yes. it. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, the... it's kind of a funny combination of, of loving and, and faithing and believing. <laughs> and that you, you you love, you desire the good mm-hmm. of, of the promise of God. And you believe that you will get it. And then you do. Mm-hmm. Before you before you get to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the, the testimony of the saints, the joy and the, the writings of the saints, are witness to that, that the promises of heaven are experienced here on earth. And I would say that people who, who've had what everybody describes as an encounter with Christ would chalk that right up there. Like mm-hmm. I mean, those are those are pinnacles of, of human experience. And we can't I mean they're they're really hard to describe because it's a taste of God and you can't put words on it, you can't can't put a box around it, you can't define it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but that's what we're getting. I mean that's that's the glimmer of hope that hey heaven's real. Yeah. Here's what it's like. Yeah, and you just had it for a microsecond. Mm. Um,
1: So, using this this young man as kind of his example, he says that um, for this young man, autumn has already descended on his heart.
0: And these are the young people of autumn, young people of the fall. And like the young people should be alive in the spring. There should be hope and flourishing and new life. And instead, and how this,
1: sad is that?
0: Yeah, I, I think our—I don't know about the new generation. So apparently, like we've—we're there. Like the new generation is graduating high school this year. Really? Um, yeah. Um, the the term that I've heard so far is homelanders. I don't know if that's going to stick. Hmm. Um, took a while for millennials to stick. We were supposed to be Gen Z or Gen Y, and then like nobody. Had, uh, I don't like those, and so maybe that's why it didn't stick. But, um, <laughs> Gen Z.
1: Oh, I think it's the per- whoever does the research
0: gets to name, them? gets to name them. Oh, okay. Well, then there, I mean, but there has well to... historically
1: at least. And that's, okay. I think that's how it worked with the millennials. The person who coined the term millennials is also the person who released all this research on okay. millennials.
0: Gotcha. Well, maybe that maybe homelanders will be the same way. Uh um, maybe so people born 2000 and later. Um, so we're actually just coming up on that, like the end of their births. They'll only be born for another two years and there'll be another generation. Oh, wow. Um, uh, but now, now, we get twenty years to figure out. All <laughs> uh, but I would like, say millennials are—we are the young men and women on whom autumn has already descended in our hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're like the tropes and the memes about millennials are: we're jaded, we are, uh, we have irony, and
1: yet somehow at the same time, though, yes, to all that, and somehow at the same time, we also believe that everything will work out.
0: Yeah, we do. So we've got okay, this—we've got this, okay. we've got
1: we this go. weird mix going on, yeah. And in, in millennials, because we believe that we deserve.
0: We're sarcastic dreamers, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're definitely jaded. We definitely have a thing with authority. Yeah. Um, which I mean, granted. <laughs> We've, actually, we've seen a lot.
0: I'll back out of that one. I like authority. I like being told what to do. But <laughs> my dad does. I got that for him. Um, but no, I definitely see like it, and it drives me nuts. I'm like, why won't you just listen? To, like this is—it's not hard. Like just do what the government asks you to do. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit speed limit uh. <laughs> So
1: yeah, but he is describing an aspect of our generation, of our because we're both millennials. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say that we're a hopeless generation. No, no. We're definitely not hopeless, but we are, we are hopeless in the, in a certain aspect.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: because we are jaded. We are.
0: Yeah. I mean, we grew up watching like homes get foreclosed on and, and that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Distrustful. Yeah. Um, so th- he ties us into apathy. Pope Francis ties us all into apathy. He says that having an empty soul is the worst obstacle to hope. And then he continues on and finishes up that paragraph saying, This attitude is called sloth, which erodes life from within until it leaves it like an empty shell.
0: Yeah, in which the, like only the exteriors seem to matter because that's the only thing you think is real and, and persists. Um, mm-hmm. And that there's no, I mean, if, if there's no hope for a better future, what's the point in believing in a soul? Yeah. And so pay attention to the here and the now. And it just, kind of leaves you trying to satisfy those surface desires. And there's, uh, I think we've all, every single one of us, I mean, unless you're a you're living saint, good for you. You're, <laughs> thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Please give us a call.
0: Uh, We'd love to chat with you. But we, I think we've all gone down the path of trying to satisfy the yeah. deepest desires of our hearts with just stuff. Um, and probably hitting a point where we think, okay, it's not going to get any better than this. Mm-hmm. And that, like, side note, that's why we have the liturgical seasons to snap us out of that. Like mm. Advent and and Lent always kick me in the keister. Like, hey, time, ta- like, snap out of it. There's a reason you're here. Yeah, and it, like, you're not a human paperweight. <laughs> like, <laughs> figure something out. Uh, and I, so the, this is all right. We're getting to, to kind of like the the antidote. So I'm talking my secret voice now. Like that, what Pope Francis gave as the antidote. It was a really simple prayer that everybody can memorize and everybody can say, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You might think, like, how is that the antidote? (laughs) And what I I think it is, this prayer acknowledges personal sin, Mm -hmm. which acknowledges imperfection, which acknowledges the possibility of perfection and a better future. Mm-hmm. And so you, by saying it, you invite hope into your life. You invite the Lord to do something, to to move you forward. Now, and maybe you can't hope right now, but He does it for you, and He begins moving you, and then you start hoping for yourself again.
1: Okay. Luigi Ghoshasani uh, wrote this book about searching for God, and he describes this, this image of this man lost in the woods. So just imagine you're in the woods, you you're alone you don't know anything around you and yet still you cry out for help and he says that in and of itself is proof of god's existence because in your most desperate hour of feeling alone logically knowing there's no one around you still feel the urge to call out to something you're still calling out to that other Um, and this prayer is a calling out towards god yeah and that that hopeful um reaching and grasping at the only one who can save yeah
0: so the um charles Pegway, this is one of the last things we read in the poem um <laughs> talks about the like his own antidote to um diapathy yeah it he like,
1: says So, I started saying this earlier, and I caught myself. He says, The secret to being indefatigable, just sleep. Why don't people make use of it? I've given this secret to everyone, says God. I haven't sold it. He who sleeps well, lives well. He who sleeps, prays. He who works, prays too. But there's time for everything, both sleep and for work. Work and sleep are like two brothers, and they get along very well together. And sleep leads to work, just like work leads to sleep. He who works well, sleeps well. He who sleeps well, works well.
0: This He gets really cheeky. Like, can I, if I can, uh, yeah, I'd like yeah, to yeah. read a little more where he says, um, in doing this, they are following my commandment, poor children. And who, on the other hand, don't have the courage, don't have the confidence, don't sleep. I pity them. I hold it against them a bit. They don't trust me. As a child lies innocently in his mother's arms, Thus do they not lie innocently in the arms of my providence. They have the courage to work. They don't have the courage to do nothing. And it's, um, I feel like this is, so this is our, our little practical bit here. Yeah. That if you want to, if you want to practice hope, sleep. Because it says to the Lord, I abandon my plans to you. You will take care of me. Yeah. And that little bit of extra work, that little bit of extra fun, that little bit of extra Netflix that I thought I needed to make me happy, (laughs) I trust in you. I hope that I will be fulfilled.
1: And, And here he's speaking again from the voice of God. I just love this so much. So the voice of God says, I manage plenty of other affairs, poor people. I govern creation. Surely that's more difficult. Maybe you could, without much loss, leave your affairs in my hands, wise men. Surely I am as wise as you are.
0: That's a mic drop from Charles Piedtway speaking to God. Love it. So challenge for all of us, sleep more, hope more, (laughs) be like children.
1: Amen to that.
0: Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back with you here on Bulls for Christ.
1: Until next time, God bless.